We forgot to pray for the Oilers. <laughs> Peter, I feel you should have been fasting because, uh, I don't know, man. Still believing. <laughs> oh, I have to pray after every Oilers game. It's like deep intercession hits me and... <laughs> It's mostly about my attitude. Let me, I'm just going to be really honest. I'm not very saved sometimes when I watch the Oilers, so. <laughs> Thank God I'm preaching on the reconciling community and the forgiveness of God today, amen? Communion is really uh, this incredible picture and this, uh, you know, this celebration of the fact that God has reconciled mankind to himself through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And this little cup is just a symbol of what he has done in order to accomplish that. That he laid down his life so that those that would trust in him, believe in him, uh, to take away their sins and that which separated them from God could be restored into fellowship and friendship with God through that incredible sacrifice of his son. All of that is symbolized in this cup that we're going to take at the end <clears throat> of the service. The word to reconcile means to end hostilities and to restore friendly relations. That's Webster's Dictionary. That's not the Bible Dictionary. I'll get to the Bible definition of, of restoration in just a minute. But uh, reconciliation, sorry. So we're in a world, we know this, guys. We're in a world that lives in enmity uh, with God. We kind of are, you know not really concerned about what God thinks. Uh, we're not concerned about what concerns Him. Uh, really, there's divisions and war and brokenness and hostilities in our world. We see these divisions not only in homes and families. We see these divisions in friendships. We see these divisions in nations. We see these divisions all over the place. But I'm going to tell you, the hope of the world is not really found in the world. It's found in something that came from outside of this world. Uh, and that something is a someone, and his name is Jesus. We're going to find out that really the hope of the world is not only what God has done through Jesus Christ, but believe it or not, and you're going to find this out by the end of the service, you are the hope of the world. Christ in you. The hope of reconciliation with God is meant to be displayed through the church of Jesus Christ. Wow. Are you sure, Pastor Greg? Yep, I really am. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells you this. Now listen to the word. It tells you about you and it tells you about the God that you're connected to. 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. 
as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come now into this moment, into this place. Father, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and to understand the miracle of reconciliation, God, today. To understand the ministry of reconciliation today, Father. And to know that we are called to mirror that to this world and in our relationships. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, I'm going to tell you first and foremost that uh, reconciliation is a miracle. <laughs> There's no other word to describe what you have been brought into and to become part of. I think that's why our text told us at, at the very beginning to no longer view people from a worldly point of view. Something other outside of this world has come into this world to rescue this world. And that someone or that something, of course, was God and Jesus Christ stepping into the world scene. This is the miracle of reconciliation. Listen to what it says. All this is from God. It's not about us. It's from outside of us. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. How many of you know that's a miracle? <laughs> that God would be so generous and so kind and so loving that he would come up with a plan to not count our sins against us. And this is part of the journey of the miracle of God. I, I, I just, I, I think about that in my own life. When I had no use for God, when I didn't care about the things God cared about, when I was selfish and entirely self-centered, self-absorbed, self-destructive, God sent his son to reconcile me to himself. Wow, that is an incredible, incredible thing. Listen to Romans 5. It says, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we save through his life? How could God not count my sins against me? And we know the story of the cross. We know that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind. But there's something more in this passage that I've never really understood or seen until I was getting ready for this service. And it, it was the word reconciliation. And I've always thought the word reconciliation just means exactly the definition I gave you. That there's no longer, there's peace between parties that used to be at war. There's no longer enmity between them, which is part of the understanding of reconciliation. But then I looked up the word in the original Greek, and it means this, to change mutually or to make different. See, guys, this is the second part of the miracle. Do you understand that you have been the miracle of God 
uh, is not only that He's forgiven your sins, but that He's actually transformed you and changed your very image. This is what the text told us, if you remember. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And that word new is a very interesting word. It doesn't mean like a new car, like now I'm driving a new car. It's like a fully like new mode of transportation has been created that does, did not exist before this moment. And so God has done something new in your life and in my life. When I ask Jesus Christ to come in and, and fill my heart, fill my life, to forgive my sins, to come and dwell within me, God literally changes me. I become a new creation. And that new creation is the great catchphrase, and the Apostle Paul used it so many times in the Bible. It means that you and I are now in Christ. You are in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you are a new creature. So, guys, listen to me. How can God reconcile you to himself? Not only have my sins been forgiven in the past tense, but God looks at my life today and he sees Greg Fraser. He sees that Greg is in Christ. He has been changed. Something has transformed. Hallelujah. There's something new in him. There's a mutual change. Something has been made different in my relationship with God. We are born again. And the moment we ask Christ to forgive our sins and come in, he comes into our lives and he not only forgives our sins, but he makes us into something new. Now, why is that critical for you to understand? And why is that a miracle? Guys, because when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees you in Christ. You're a new creature. You've been transformed. You've been metamorphosized. You were once a worm. Now you're a butterfly. Amen? Thank God, you beautiful butterflies, monarchs of the Lord, in all your glory. Now, when I look in the mirror, sometimes I see a worm. Turn to the person next to you and say these words. You are the most beautiful butterfly. Go ahead. Wow. And then, and then just like understand, you know, you can say things like, I am so lucky to be in your presence. Praise the Lord. Listen to what Galatians 3.28 Everybody's affirming each other right now, which is beautiful. I'm, not, I'm just going to let it happen. Like, people are starting to weep. Like, I don't, thank you for calling me a butterfly. It's good. Amen. Let the affirmation of the Holy Spirit fill your heart. You think I'm kidding? This is a miracle, you guys. You're in Christ. We don't see ourselves there. We need to reflect on this and meditate on this constantly. Pastor Maddie, we've talked about that. You often reflect on the fact that you're a new creation. Amen. I'm picking on Pastor Matty because I know that's a deep thing for him. Galatians 3.28, listen to what it says, you miracles. Here there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Miracle. 
of reconciliation. A room full of people that reflect the glory of God and shine brightly. I told you my salvation story, and I've said it many times to you, but it's such a picture to me and a reminder of the body of Christ when I was first in a church service like this, eight days before my 21st birthday at a baptism service, which some of you have been invited now to be part of, and uh, the preacher started preaching at me, and some, uh, something happened, and suddenly my eyes were open, and the whole church in front of me literally looked like the shiniest, brilliant, beautiful people in the whole world. And all I said to myself was, guys, I'm sitting there, these are the holiest people on earth. How haven't I seen them walking around? <laughs> now, what happened? I felt like a black dot on a white page that day, and I gave my heart to Jesus because I said, I mean, I'm, I'm in trouble. Now, I pastored those people. They were not as shiny after that. <laughs> Some of them appeared worm-like rather than butterflies. I'm giving you that picture again because that's how heaven sees you. You're in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you've been reconciled to God. Hallelujah, what a miracle, what a miracle, what a miracle. And here's the next thing about the miracle. Where does it go from there? According to our text, we're into the ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God the next time you're in a party and the guys are gathering around, the first thing guys do in order to assess the identity of the person next to them, they say, what do you do for a living? Be cheeky and say, I am an ambassador. <laughs> for what country? The kingdom of God. I'm just going to get a drink. I'll see you later, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. Try it. I haven't tried it, but I mean, you're strange enough to do it. You could pull it off. Amen? The, men, the, men, the ministry of reconciliation. God is making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. This is our message to this world, church. Are you saying to the world, God is not at enmity with you. God wants to forgive your sins. God wants to be a friend of yours. God wants to come into your life. God not only wants to forgive your sins, my friend, but he wants to make you part of his family and he wants to be your eternal father forever and forever and forever. You can have a relationship with God and his people. Do you want in? This is the message, the message to the world. That you are in Christ and Christ will be in you. If you will accept God's offer of forgiveness and God's offer of peace, this pricely, costly offering of peace that his son came and died for you, if you will accept that offer, God will be at peace with you and make, him, make you one with himself. Wow. The message of reconciliation. 
Now I'm going to tell you something, and I don't want you to get mad at me, but you can if you want. It's okay. You have to forgive me by the end of the message. Um, this is why Christianity is the only way back to God. You know what? If you're listening in the world today and they're saying there's so many paths, so many religions, and they all lead to the same place, it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not saying that because I'm a Mr. Holy religious guy. I'm saying that because there is only one way back to the Father. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Do you understand that has to be true? It has to be true because the only way Greg Fraser can come to the Father is because he is in Christ, because he's exchanged his unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness. He's exchanged the debt load of his sin for God's mercy, and, and, and that's it. That's the message I can share with the world. When I'm with my Muslim barber and we talk about religious things all the time, and, and he can't grasp this thought of, 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 of me being right with God. And, and I, I say, you know what? I'm right with God because of the mercy of God. God has generously given. And he's like, you've got to earn it. The pillars of Islam say, and they go through the things that they have to do in order to be right with God. I'm like, yeah, I understand all that. And I, I say to him, you're probably a more holy person than I am. Watch me at an Oilers game. You won't even think I'm saved. <laughs> I confess these sins before you now, my brothers and sisters. You see, Christ is the only way. He's the only way. Because he's offered something that the world could not offer, a reconciliation with God. Through the death and the resurrection of his son. Listen to 1 Timothy 1, 4.10. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe. Church, listen. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. Sin <laughs> is not the thing that separates you from God any longer. Not having Jesus take care of your sin is the thing that separates you from God. Does that make sense? You have been offered a reconciliation. You've been offered a, a way to lay your sin down at the altar of God and be transformed into the image of Christ. And you've been made right with God. This is our message. And church, I'm going to tell you, it's a universal message. The message of salvation according to that text in 1 Timothy is open to every single human being in the universe. But it's only brought into effect by those who believe it. Does that make sense to you? 
In other words, I can go to anybody. I don't care if they're on the death row for murdering somebody. I don't care what they've done. I don't care if they're Taliban. It doesn't matter. If you will but bring your brokenness, your sinfulness to Christ and sincerely say, God, forgive me for my sin, that which separates me from you, God will forgive your sin, come in and live within you and place the Holy Spirit within you, making you a new creation. Hallelujah. What a message. So it's this universal message, but it's entirely exclusive. It's brought into effect by those who work their head off to please God. No, no, no. It's brought into effect by those who trust God. That God would be that good, that kind. Hallelujah. I know that's true. The Jewish nation, when Jesus was on earth in John chapter 6, they ask him because they're watching him and something's different about him. And he's kind to sinners and he's kind to those that are broken and lost. And he says, they say to this, these questions to him in John chapter 6, what must we do? What is the work of God that we must do in order to inherit eternal life? What is God's work? Tell us the list. You tell us the list, Jesus. There's got to be a new list. They love lists. The Jewish people love lists. There's no greater form of a religious structure in the whole world. And so Jesus gives them the list. You've heard me say this a hundred times. Click your bick. Get ready for it. Here it is. Jesus said these words. The work of God is this. Believe. In the one he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. Number one. Number two. Refer to number one. <laughs> Thus endeth the list. <laughs> There's got to be more. I told you it was a miracle of reconciliation. It's not about what Greg Fraser does or fails to do. It's about who he puts his trust into and who he turns to continually and constantly in his life, which is the next thought. You see, because of this miracle of reconciliation, and I've been given the ministry of reconciliation as if God was pleading through me. That's what it says. I mean, it's not a, it's not a flattering thing, really. As if God was making his plea through you, Greg. <laughs> if you can be saved... Anybody can be saved. Amen? And that's what I'm called to as an ambassador of Christ, to mirror reconciliation. This is the high price. Christ has paid this price. He's forgiven my sins, and they are terrible, and they are many. And here I am now an ambassador, mirroring, reflecting this kingdom that I now represent. And this mirroring church happens no more than in one particular area of your life. And that area is forgiveness. Let's read a large portion of text. It's just a story, but we're going to read it. Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Seventy times seven, really. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like God, who want, our king, who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees or fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. Exact same words. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went and he had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I have canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now this story, guys, makes no sense. And it's meant to not make any sense. And I'll tell you why it doesn't make any sense. And you're going to agree with me when you understand this. You see, the first thing you need to understand about reconciliation, if you're going to mirror reconciliation, is that it takes faith to receive this reconciliation. It takes faith. See, there's only a couple explanations for the unmerciful servant's actions. Number one explanation is this. He was hardened. See, sometimes we don't know how much we've actually been forgiven of. And that's maybe the first explanation. You see, a talent, this is very interesting, a talent is a piece of gold, and it's worth um, 20 years' wages of an average laborer. One talent. 20 years' wages. This guy owes the master... Ah, 10,000 talents. Do you know how many years of work that is? 200,000 years of debt. <laughs> Probably should have stopped loaning him money a little bit before that <laughs> debt concurred that deeply, but <laughs> this is 200,000 years of that guy working every day. Now, the point is this, it's ridiculous. It's an unpayable debt. You understand? That's really what this guy is saying. How many of you know you owe a debt to God that you cannot pay? And he paid a debt that he did not owe. Again, it's the miracle of reconciliation. So if he wasn't hardened, which in other words, he didn't understand how much he actually had been forgiven himself, then, then maybe he was driven. And I think this is some of times us as Christians. See, driven people really don't believe they're forgiven. See, the only other option is this guy actually didn't quite grasp that the debt that he owed was gone. And he immediately goes out and tries to get a hold of that guy and begins to choke a guy who owes him a hundred denarii. 
Now, one denarii is one day's wages. So this guy owes him a hundred. So that's like three months. Three, it's a large debt, okay? Three months, somebody owes you. Like, that's a debt. You don't want to say, yeah, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, that's, that's quite a bit of money. You know, on average, it's maybe like 10 grand, something like that. I think, Pastor Greg, you're not paid that well. I, well, I'm just trying to do math, okay? Math is challenging. <laughs> okay, so we're just going with something simple, okay? The point is this, guys. Three months wages, and he has the guy thrown in prison. He owes 200,000 years of wages. See, I think us Christians, we do this sometimes because we don't understand the miracle of reconciliation. We try to work harder. We try to pray more. We try to do more. And those things aren't bad. They're not bad. But if you're doing it to pay your debt to God, you're never going to achieve it. You have a choice. Listen, church, this is, again, the miracle. Why it takes faith to receive forgiveness and reconciliation. If you stand on your own, you're never going to reach God. But if you stand in Christ, you've already reached God. You're at the finish line. Amen? Okay. See, it takes, here's the thing, not only does it take faith to receive reconciliation, it takes grace then to give reconciliation. You are called to be ministers of reconciliation. You see, if we don't grasp the immensity of our indebtedness, if we don't grasp the immensity of Jesus' sacrifice in order to pay off our debt, and if we don't grasp that forgiveness is a process that has to be empowered by the grace of God. Church, forgiveness is an impossible thing for humans to do. That's why it's otherworldly. There has to be an empowerment that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you're like, mm, well, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, hang in there. So my wife and I, years ago, and I've taught this in this church before, so you've heard this before, but if you haven't or if you've forgotten it, it's okay. I talk about when I do marriage counseling at times and pre-marriage counseling, I'll say forgiveness is one of the most critical things that you have to get right in your marriage. You're going to have to forgive this other person a lot. I told you, Betty, before you married me, you're, gonna, you're in for it, honey. You understand? And so I talk about this thing called, I call it peace by peace. P-E-A-C-E by P-I-E-C-E. -E. You're entering into the ministry of reconciliation. Understand it's a process to forgive. Well, let's look at the pieces of the piece by piece. Number one, just forgive. Eat a piece of humble pie. See the peace piece there? See, you got it. You say, oh, Pastor Greg, I get it now. It's piece by piece. And the first piece is eat a piece of humble pie. See, it's impossible to forgive without God's help, you guys. It just is. Our, we're not hardwired that way. It's only in our new creation are we hardwired to offer forgiveness. That's really what we need to understand. 
I said this once in a church service and I got in trouble, but let me explain it so you don't think I'm a heretic because the guy called me a heretic after and that's okay. Um, I said this, um, God does not forgive sin, he forgives the sinner. And then I paused. That's a dramatic pause for effect. Because he has judged sin in Christ Jesus on the cross. See, God is not that God, guys. Listen to me. God is not like the big daddy in the sky, sugar daddy, who winks at your sinful. You're such a cutie. I love you, you little sinner. Wormy worm. No, no, no. No, the only hope for you, the only hope for you is that Jesus Christ paid the price for sin. Justice has been satisfied on the cross. And so you need to understand that. Your debt has been paid in full. That's why Jesus from the cross said it is finished. And, and uh, some Greek word I can't really pronounce. You guys are way smarter than me. You could do it. I'm not even going to try. But basically what he said is it is finished from the cross. It is finished. And the word was actually, they didn't find this out until later when they uncovered some ancient ruins and they found like these, these um, sheets of paper that seemed to be like, you know, like this is something that somebody purchased and then the word in the Greek word was written and it was basically said it is finished and they understood that the word meant paid in full. It was an accounting term. In the first service, Richard, our accountant, shouted amen. <laughs> certain things hit certain people in different ways. He started to weep at that point. It was awesome. <laughs> Jesus is saying paid in full. See, when I come to the cross, you guys, this is what I'm understanding is that when I come to Jesus, I'm asking him to forgive my sins. And when I do that, it's an incredible thing. I'm asking God to not exercise justice and judgment on me, but to charge it to Christ's account on my behalf. This is why communion is so beautiful that we're about to have. It's a celebration of Christ paying your debt and when I go to him and sometimes Greg Fraser goes to him seven times a day God forgive me for being impatient forgive me for that word that came out of my mouth when they scored that goal in the third period last night Lord <laughs> somebody else I'm not that bad but I kind of am actually you know what Jesus says to me when I do that? Go in peace. Your debt's been paid in full. So here's the thing that's challenging. As ministers of reconciliation, Father, I take my stand before you on the basis of the cross of Christ. I take my stand before you based on what Christ has done, but that person who sinned against me cannot they have to pay for what they have done she must stand before you on her own merit she has to pay up first so when greg fraser is a minister of reconciliation and he won't live in the forgiveness of god toward others wow that's a challenge See, then I remember myself. 
And I remember, I have to eat a piece of humble pie here. Because I had to go to the cross so many times in my life. You know, I tell my wife, my wife will tell you this is true of me, and I'm going to say something that is not a boast, but just understand it. I am a person who is quick to forgive offenses against me. Why? Because you're such a strong Christian, Pastor Greg? No, because I'm so pathetically weak. I cannot bear unforgiveness. I cannot bear anger. I cannot bear when I feel justified and justice and they have to pay for what they've done. I'm way too weak for that. So I go to God all the time and say, God, help me to forgive them. Help me to forgive them. Church, here's the thing. You're a minister of reconciliation. You are yoked to Jesus Christ. Remember the miracle? The miracle is that you're in Christ. The miracle is that you're one with Christ. Your miracle is that you've been transformed into a new creature. And you're yoked with Christ. Jesus said, be yoked to me. Take up my yoke. My burden is light. My, my, my yoke is easy. Amen. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you in life. This is what it means to be a Christian. I'm united to Jesus Christ and I'm walking. And, and that yoke is talking about the, two, the yoke that covers two oxen. And, and we know that the, the yoke can be set so the stronger animal takes the greater load. How many in your relationship with Jesus are the stronger animal than Jesus? Anybody here? anybody nobody here of course not jesus takes the vast majority of the load and so when you sin against me guess what happens i have a choice i either walk with jesus or i start to walk on my own do you understand jesus the stronger oxen always pulls in the direction of reconciliation he always pulls in the direction of mercy that's how he walks. That's how he plods through life. <laughs> Mercy, reconciliation, grace, grace, grace. And so when Greg is bitter and Greg is angry and Greg's pulling against him, I'm not going to win that battle. You know, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Thank you, God. And that word means to set at one again. That's what the word peace means. And so God comes and he pulls, you know, you are part of the body of Christ and sometimes you do things that you, you know, you, you're pulling apart from another part of the body of Christ. You may be married to that part of the body of Christ, by the way. And you're pulling apart. And you know what God does? Ugh. The Bible actually says he's the ligament of peace or the bond of peace. And as I pull apart, God is constantly pulling us back together. How many know it's easier to work with God than against God? How many of you work against God, you're going to walk with a limp? Just saying. There's scriptures about that. You just look them up. You're yoked to Christ in this life, and he pulls in the area of forgiveness. Here's the question for you, the hardest question I'm going to ask you. Ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of the kingdom of God, ready for this? Was Jesus' sacrifice enough to pay the price for your sins? You can answer. Yes. Eight of you believe Jesus' sacrifice. <laughs> we need to work on this in the church. Now, here, here's the thing. Here's the, the second question is way harder. We actually start to really kind of believe the first one because of the generosity of God in our lives. 
But the second question of ministers of reconciliation is a very difficult one. Here it is. Was the justice he underwent in our place enough for the sins committed against us as well? Is the cross big enough for your sins and big enough for the sins committed against you? Was the justice of God satisfied enough that you can go to the cross daily, moment by moment in your life and say, God, this person just totally hurt me. They stabbed me in the back. They did this terrible thing. I need grace, God, because I can't forgive them on my own. And you can't, you guys. It's an impossible thing. This is why Hebrews 11 says this, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. So number one, church, you want to understand that forgiveness is just eating a piece of humble pie. Here's the second thing. Prayerfulness, to piece together, to repair by talking. Jesus said, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, there's one person you can go to in your life that is never going to be swayed in a negative way by what you say to them. Who is that person? Jesus. You can say, blinkety-blink, so-and-so, blinkety-blink did this to me. Mm-hmm. Now, is he going to love you in the midst of that? Yeah. And where's he going to point you? Cross. Now, you see, it's not wrong, guys, listen, to piece together, you're talking to somebody. You know, again, you need to spend time in prayer because it's the only way that's going to help you. I think Hebrews 11 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. When Greg Fraser lives in unforgiveness, he lives in bitterness. And how many of you know that bitterness doesn't just affect him? I never saw this until I was doing this study this last week. But what shocked me this time was that when the, the man came with the 100 talent debt, 200,000 years of debt, the owner basically says that he and his entire family and all that he possessed is to be sold into slavery to pay back the debt. See, what struck me this time as I was preparing was my bitterness and unforgiveness doesn't just affect me. Lord God, have mercy on me. That that spills over to my loved ones. That spills over to the world around me. You're a minister of reconciliation. You bring it to the Lord. He will piece things back together. Here's the third thought of piece by piece. Forgetfulness. Stop giving a piece of your mind. You see, the fruit of forgiveness is forgetfulness. This is why Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Thank God we have a cross on the west and a cross on the east. God has removed our transgressions. Amen? Thank you, God. Now, I say to you, stop giving a piece of your mind. 
that's an important thing for you to understand. You know, I find that sometimes in marriage relationships, we're talking with our spouse and we have this evil propensity to bring up something that we've forgiven a month before. Anybody else ever do that? You did this to me two years ago. <laughs> Betty and I, I'm getting way better, you guys, but we still have fights sometimes. They're mostly Betty's fault, but... Um, <laughs> she's right there. She's right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the one weeping in repentance right now. No, not really. But we, <laughs> we have this terrible action toward one another, and it's this. You always, you never, and I'm such a worm sometimes. I'm not a butterfly at this moment. And I say stupid things like, well, if I always, then why are you bringing it up? Or if I never, then I'm never going to change, so why bring it up? Apparently, that's not what she's looking to hear in that moment. Amen? Now, if you have been hurt by somebody, am I saying you shouldn't have godly counsel? No, you should, could go to somebody and get some godly counsel. How do you know if your counsel is godly or if you're just trying to get somebody to affirm your position? Because I've watched people who've disagreed with me on this teaching of forgiveness walk around the church until they found somebody who agreed with them. Amen? You'll always find somebody that agrees with you. But I'm going to tell you, a godly friend is the one who points you to the only place that you can go that will, you'll find freedom. And the godly friend is the one who's not going to be offended with the person that you're talking about because they're the one saying, you know what, we're all sinners in need of grace. And you know that you're coming to a point of healing in your church, in your life, church, when you stop having to bring it up, when you hold, stop having to hold that person in perpetual prison of unforgiveness, I'm not minimizing your forgiveness, and I'm not saying you need to let that person back into your life. If somebody's hurt you, they have to come back to a place of earning trust. But I'm saying there's a place for you to bring your pain. Amen? Listen to this quote. You know you're working through the process of forgiveness when you no longer need to verbalize the pain. Told you this wasn't easy. It's impossible, actually. Here's the next piece of piece by piece, oneness. You're a piece of the whole. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6 says, everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. We're all sinners saved by grace. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. The band can start coming back now. Church, listen, you don't have to wait for somebody who's hurt you to say they're sorry. I'm going to give you a painful truth right now. Sometimes they will never say it. Sometimes they can't even say it because they're dead and gone for some of you. But you know the cross is big enough for you to go and say, God, help me, help me to remember, to forgive. I can't do this on my own, God. 
I can only do this through your grace and your strength. Amen? And if you will come to Christ that way, church, God will give you the grace. Hallelujah. Isn't that what Jesus did while we were still his enemies, even though we didn't know that he did it? He forgave us. If the world only knew that God has forgiven their sins, if they will but turn to him in repentance, wouldn't they be running? Wouldn't you have to fight to get a seat in the church if people actually knew the message of reconciliation? It's called amazing grace for a reason, church. It's not ho-hum grace. It's not, mm, that grace is okay. No, no, no. It's amazing grace. Lastly, piece by piece, wholeness. You're going to get back together piece by piece. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times to Peter. Now, why did he say that 70 times, seven times? Because sometimes you've been so hurt by someone, you've been so damaged relationally, that sometimes the only thing you can do is go through the process over and over and over again until your heart starts to change. You ever been hurt that bad by somebody? I know many of you have. And when you keep coming to Christ and saying, God, I still, every time I think of that person, I'm bitter, I'm angry. You know one of the secrets I've learned in my life that the devil hates? Here it is. I pray for those who hurt me or despitefully used me. I pray God's blessing. I don't, play, I don't pray like God smote them, destroy them. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. <laughs> but suddenly I start to move toward understanding that this person is in need of grace just as much as I am. And suddenly my heart begins to change toward them because I'm praying for them. And if you want to get over being embittered by thoughts, start to pray for that person. I guarantee you will be set free. Guaranteed. Because you can't bless and curse with the same breath. Amen? Okay. Communion. Whew. If we had enough time, we would do communion every week. We make it special, we do it once a month. But you can do it every day. Amen? Because this little cup symbolizes that forgiveness does not remove justice. It allows the justice of God to be poured out on the cross to free you from the prison of unforgiveness. That's beautiful. Amen? That Jesus Christ died for the sins you've committed and the sins committed against you you beautiful ministers of reconciliation. You can live in the grace and the freedom of God. Let's partake of this broken body. The one body was broken that we many pieces might be made whole. Let's partake together. This cup is the cup of the new covenant, the cup of the blood that was shed on the cross for your sins and for the sins committed against you. And before you partake of this, I want you to think of somebody that the Holy Spirit is asking you to reconcile with right now. Maybe it's a spouse, a friend that betrayed you, 
Maybe it's someone you're sitting next to. Maybe it's someone that's dead and gone. The power of the cross sets you free so you don't have to live in unforgiveness anymore. Amen? That through the new covenant, through the fact that you are a new creation, that you've been made one with God through Christ Jesus our Lord, you can live in the power of reconciliation. Just lay that person before the Father right now. You can be totally real. You can say, God, I don't want to forgive them. I hate their guts, but I see that I have to forgive them, and I want your grace to be able to forgive them. How many of that's a real prayer sometimes? Amen? Oh, Father, let's partake of this new covenant that Jesus shed his blood that I might be reconciled to God. What a merciful and a good Father. Church, reconciliation is not about you forgiving and moving on. It's about you walking with Christ, the reconciler, and he will ingratiate you to love and forgive others. Amen? So we're going to just ask a prayer before we stand and sing this song. Bow your heads with me. If you're here today, you're saying, Pastor Greg, there's somebody in my life I need to forgive. I, I don't have the strength to do it, but I want the grace to do it in Christ. Be bold right now and lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Lots of hands going up. Yes, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of hands. Yes, Lord. You see our hands, God. Thank you, Father. Maybe you need to go to somebody and ask their forgiveness. That's a tough one. And if that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to be bold and say, give me a wave and say, I need to go and ask forgiveness of somebody. Yes, yes, yes. If you're watching online, maybe that's you as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Lastly, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never been reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of His Son, you've never asked Him to forgive your sins, to come and dwell in your heart and life, to live in you and with you, if you're watching online or if you're here in this place, be bold. Right now, raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. If you've never done that before, give me a wave. Say, Pastor Greg, I remember when I had to lift my hand in that day when that guy preached and I saw those people. I'm telling you, my weight, that weight of the world felt like it was on my hand. But when I lifted it up, it all came off. It's an act of faith. If that's you online, there's going to become a little button that says, I made a first-time commitment. Let us know that. One last time in this room, if that's you, give me wave. We're going to pray together with those online that made this commitment. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to live with you and for you and with the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today.
But you're going to stand now and you're going to sing this song about who you're connected to, the great minister of reconciliation. His name is Jesus. Amen. Thanks.